Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. It's time for the Happy Half Hour. With your friends, Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. to the Happy Half Hour Podcast. It's your friends Kristen, Will, and Darren along with producer Matt. And it's that time of the year, guys, where, I mean, we recorded last week right around this time, and I feel like it's been a year because so many things in Pantherland have changed. That yeah. was last week. Yeah. yeah. A month ago last week when yeah. they were about to play a third preseason game and we hadn't seen Sam Darnold play much football and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, by the way, they've cut people and done all this other stuff since then. We've so. come a long way. Mm-hmm. It's a lot happening here. Yes. And we also are going to start our disclaimer that I feel like we do weekly during the regular season, which is that we are recording this on Wednesday morning. So by the time this comes out... Things will have changed because we are in that initial roster, but we're still looking, you know, putting out waiver claims. All that is 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 happening right now. But as of yesterday, we do have the initial 53-man roster, which is where we are going to start. Of course, knowing that it is going to change, maybe significantly, um, in the time that this podcast comes out and certainly before the first game. But I do want to get a big takeaway from what you saw overall. I don't know if it's we should maybe do it by position groups, I feel like. I feel like that'd be a good way to go. So I'll start. No one asked me, but I'll start. <laughs> I'm the host. I do what I want. Um, and of course, I'm going to take the easy one before before anyone um, goes there. The quarterbacks. So if we're, if we're going uh, one takeaway at a position group, it was that P.J. Walker won the backup job over Will Greer. Despite Will Greer, certainly, I thought, giving P.J. a run for his money, especially in those last two preseason games. So I think that was one of the big headlines that came out of the um, initial 53-man roster is that Will Greer is is no longer on the team. Right. And, and I feel like we should also record and have Matt splice something in later. Well, after the Panthers claimed Kingle McCringleberry off waivers Wednesday. You yes. Know, we could just fill in the blank. Yeah, different know, names. Drop a voice in later. But uh, yeah, at the moment, we're recording this sitting on two quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's a little bit risky simply because, you know, even though the COVID restrictions aren't as stringent as they were this time a year ago, having an extra guy around who knows your stuff and who is available and who, you know, can operate at a reasonable level on short notice is 
something I think they'd be interested in. I think they're they're almost certainly going to add another quarterback to this roster in the next couple of days. We don't know who it is at the moment. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be a veteran practice squad or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, having a third around seems reasonable, but they are confident enough in PJ that um, they're willing to roll with him for now, which is, you know, I, I thought it was debatable uh, which of those two backups had the better preseason. Will played pretty well, like you mentioned, Chris, mm-hmm. in those second two games. Will was really good and I think Will will have opportunities whether it's here or somewhere else coming up but yeah I mean it does stand out right now at the moment as we talk about this at 10 27 on Wednesday morning the for good, sure the good news is Darren you threw in a lot of words in in um, that last sentence of like oh, whether they claim someone off waivers veterans so we have a lot to splice in and yeah. I bet we can get to if they do pick <laughs> someone up a good description from Darren just based on the words that we can edit in unless they in. unless they sign Vinny Testaverde again <laughs> or something yeah. like that then, the, then we're we're doing trouble. a breaking podcast if that happens <laughs> the, the best part for me was as he got into it he leaned forward and took his glasses off and that's when you knew that Darren meant business on this on this for those listening and watching at home alternate theory his eyes are just tired because he has published how many articles over the last few days there's been a lot of stuff (laughs) crossing my face as they say in the football business but uh yeah it's it's a lot going on but yeah we don't know i mean there will be moves later today for sure that makes us look like idiots in the ensuing couple hours well that's what we're here for right we're gonna record at the time and then you know everything will change by the time it comes out that's part of the fun of it you never know what you're gonna get but darren what what is the position group uh, that stood out to you when you look at this initial 53-man roster? I mean, 53 guys on the roster, 10 of them are defensive linemen. And when you look at when those guys showed mm-hmm. up, I mean, they're all basically new. Brian Burns is the only pre-Matt Rule defensive lineman. He's like the old vet. It's his third season. (laughs) And it is alarming, but it's it's young and it's fast and it's talented, especially young. I mean, they kept 10. I mean, and and Phil Hoskins, seventh-round pick, big snack. He was probably the 10th guy as you look at that group. But after you trade for Daryl Johnson, you keep Phil Hoskins around. All of a sudden you look and it's like, whoa, those are a lot of defensive linemen. And from where they were a couple years ago when the cupboard was bare, when you see them pump so many draft picks into the position, put so many resources into firming that thing up, I mean, you know, you go out and you sign a Daquan Jones and a Morgan Fox this offseason, and it's because you need somebody to shepherd along all of these kids. And I mean, those those are two good vets to have in that room who've been around. I mean, Morgan has played next to some guy named Aaron Donald. He knows a little Never bit heard about <laughs> how this game goes. And, and Daquan Jones, same deal. I mean, they Matt talked a lot about Daquan and how being on a Tennessee team that went from 2-14 and 14 to playoff regulars matters. And mm-hmm. so ha- having that around a bunch of young guys like Davion Nixon, like Bravion Roy, like Phil Hoskins, etc., that's, that's valuable knowledge. And one thing that Phil Snow has said is people have asked him, you know, who are the starters or, you know, kind of where, how are they all going to line up? He's like, I don't really care. All of these guys are going to be on the field constantly. Yeah. Like the the whole thing is there's no you ca- place uh, You're off. saying he said he doesn't really care about who the start, the yeah, technical the starters start. are. I do think he cares about where they line up. Right. right yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care. They can go out I there mean, wherever they want. I mean, yeah. You know, the, the guy that is yes. out there for the first play versus yes. the guy that's out there for the fourth play. And I mean, they're just going to keep rotating and mm-hmm. going full speed. We saw that last year specifically with the D-line, you know, I go out there for sideline and you have your your designated starters and then you look at at the snap counts will which I'm always very grateful that you publish every single week it's it's true that is how they operate they like to sub they like to rotate guys especially on their line that is their ideal scenario and we're going to see it more and more with the talent that they have added
added and developed this yep. year. I mean, yeah, you have those offensive linemen that are going to be looking at, A, different guys that they're going to have to prepare for that are coming at, you know, and then you have linebackers that may step up into gaps. I mean, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But, you know, these guys are fresh. You're going to have guys, fresh guys coming at them all game. And it's the same, you know, guard and same right tackle that's going to have to deal with these really young, fast players. Yeah. And and having guys, I mean, listen, Marquise Haynes and Nitor played a lot of snaps last year. And Bravion Roy did too. When you were mentioning him, these guys that you wouldn't necessarily would think a lot of work but in the system or because of injury and Did. again, that second group got a lot of run last year as they, you know, and last year they were playing a lot of young guys out of necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think now it's beginning to become out of choice. Mm-hmm. And and again, we'll see what Daryl Johnson, we'll see if he proves to be help on defense. He's an active, he's a big body. When you see him out on the practice field, he looks the part. That's what a defensive end's supposed to look like out there. But uh, he's mainly here because he's got some promises pass rusher, but he's a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. And He'll probably be on all four phases of special teams and and be out there running around because you need big guys who can run in that phase of the game. And that's going to be his job primarily. But it stood out to me that when you keep a 53-man roster, anytime you've got double digits at any position, it's like, oh, okay. But uh, that's, that's an interesting group for sure going into the year. Well, what position group stood out to you? So this one is definitely a let's pause and insert people later. Javaris, Jamar, Javaris, and Lamar. Done. Okay. So, <laughs> um, no, the, I mean, the running backs. It, a couple weeks ago when we published that initial depth chart from, from training camp, we had to add spaces to make up for all the ah. running backs that were on there. Yeah. You know, Darius Clark, Spencer Brown, Reggie Bonifon, uh, Rodney Smith, along with Chuba and Christian. And Spencer now, Brown. Yeah, and, and, and now it's just Chuba and Christian, and now Trenton Cannon is, is there as the special teams guy. That that group though what was hit hard by injuries during right. training camp in the right. preseason, which is unfortunate. absolutely and, and I think you know that that harkens back to what Matt Rule keeps saying. You know the best ability is availability, yeah. and I think I think you saw that a little bit. Obviously, a lot of that can change here today with practice squad, with with waiver claims, with you know they're they're not going to necessarily leave it like that. But what Darren was saying, you know, they obviously want depth. But Christian isn't a guy that's going to be, you know, splitting carries a ton. If, if when he's out there, he's out there. You know, this is mm. Christian's. This is Christian's team to run on offense from a, a running back standpoint. So, you know, Chuba Hubbard, I think he proved himself pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone talked about, oh, what are they going to do with Mike Davis gone to Atlanta? I think Chuba Hubbard is a guy that I feel comfortable with. You know, on an NFL field right now. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what they do with that running back group after they sign Sagittarius Jefferson to the practice squad later <laughs> today. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to roll into a game, and and the three who were up on game day, even if they add some practice squad guys or adjust the roster, I mean, Christian, Chuba, Trenton Cannon, that's who's going to be active. And, and Trenton is a, another guy, like Daryl Johnson. He's a special teams guy. Call uh-huh. him a running back if you want to, but he's probably not going to do a lot of running of the football uh, in this situation. And, and while Chuba had a great preseason, Chuba's probably not either. I mean, you've got Christian McCaffrey, and I thought it was interesting, you know, Joe Brady basically said the other week when we were talking to him, he basically said, buckle up. We don't want to overuse him, but we know he's the guy. And we know he needs to be just increasingly involved in this offense because he's one of the best players in the league. So, yeah, we're going to give it to him a lot. So I I think that was part of the reason Christian didn't step on the field during the preseason. Mm -hmm. And and good. I mean, save the tread on his tires and get Chuba ready in case of emergency or in case you just need somebody to spell him after a long drive. But I will say uh, Joe Brady also said in our um, preseason meetings, we got to talk to him once a week, 
he also said, you know, we want Christian fresh in the fourth quarter. And so they're kind of hinting that, you know, they do want that backup running back position to be able to go in. Now, once you actually get in the game and Christian is doing Christian McCaffrey things, I think that's that's always harder. But do you think there's any real chance that that, that happens? No. I don't I mean, right. How could how how could it, right? <laughs> why why would you give non Christian McCaffrey people the ball if you had the opportunity to give Christian McCaffrey the ball? I mean, it's yeah, I, I think they want to and and there will be games. Now, I will say from watching them through the preseason, I think having a more diversified passing game might take a little bit of that stress off. You know, there's going to be a lot of quick passes. There's going to be a lot of put it in DJ's hands in space and let him try to make a play. Mm-hmm. Let's get Robbie on these short intermediate routes. Well, and we having know that Dan Arnold yeah. around is going to add something to the passing game. And if you get anything out mm-hmm. of tight ends in the passing game, that's one more carry Christian doesn't have to take. Mm-hmm. Well, and we know that Joe Brady likes to get creative, so I don't yeah. think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see a few plays that are specially designed for uh, Tuba, you know? I mean, I think it's uh, possible, yeah. but yes, the majority <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is going to have the ball in his hands as much as possible. I think we all agree on that, right? And, and if you want the fantasy perspective on this, make sure you get up with at Panthers Bill on Twitter. He <laughs> loves your fantasy questions. <laughs> Send them to him often. <laughs> Listening to your favorite Carolina Panthers podcast has never been easier. Simply download the Amazon Alexa app, add the Carolina Panthers skill, and say, Alexa, play Carolina Panthers. Now playing Carolina Panthers. Be sure to also add the Carolina Panthers flash briefing to your morning routine. For more information, visit Panthers.com. All right, Will, I heard you got a stat of the week for us, right? 60% 60% of the time, it works every time. Stat of the week. So after last night's initial 53-man rosters uh-huh. were published, Philly Voice, um, they published their annual youngest and oldest roster rankings. So uh-huh. the Panthers came in tied for fourth with the Cleveland Browns, uh, age 25.3. Now, obviously, it would have been a little bit higher. Uh, J.J. Jansen, the the old man, is is bringing that number up a little bit, but Thanks, still. Thanks, J.J. Thanks, J.J. But in in the case of this, I mean, it came out of the draft. I think with one of the youngest rosters. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. still very young. You know, that they're they're growing. You know, the, these guys are young and they're they're looking to the future. You know, four years ago, the Panthers were the second oldest um, going into 2017. Wow. So it, it's it's obviously changed a lot in terms of the roster makeup. But I think that kind of we knew that. But here's some statistical proof of it yeah 10 rookies and from the last two draft classes 15 of the 18 picks are still on the 53-man roster at the moment yep well and I think that with Sam Darnold coming here there was that initial wave in the media where everyone gets reminded how young he is Mm -hmm. so uh he was younger than some of the draft picks coming out this year I think he's just turned 24 recently I was just thinking we were talking about Brian Burns Brian Burns is 23 years old yeah that still strikes me as incongruous a little bit, right? Because, I mean, we know this is his, his third season, but he just, it feels like he's he's a presence, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a he's a vet on this young D-line we were just talking about it. He's 23. Yep. Still, still a baby. I mean, shoot, the oldest guy in, in the room on defense has been Jeremy Chin. He's been 50 years old since he was 10. <laughs> I mean, what is he, like 23, 24? I mean, he's not old either. A couple of those guys got old souls, oh, yeah. as we say. 23. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Wow. I feel so old. Uh, we're <laughs> That's for another day. Uh, Darren, again, we'll just insert the robotic voice and, and the blanks. But as of right now, Wednesday, 1030, where do you think 
that they are going to continue to look based on where this roster is right now. I think you have to find somebody with a little more experience at inside linebacker. I yeah. mean, they they had Denzel Perriman here, traded him to Las Vegas, had Josh Bynes here in camp, cut him. I, I think it's clear they want somebody uh, to be able to spell Jermaine and Shaq a little bit. Um, Matt talked a lot this offseason about Shaq played a whole bunch of snaps last year. We'd like him to play fewer snaps this year so that in December he's a little fresher and a little more available. And they don't have that guy on the roster right now. I mean, their backups at inside linebacker are Julian Stanford, another special teams guy, and Clay Johnson. So it's just not a lot of experience, not a lot of guys you can point to and say, if we needed a spot start out of him, what they don't have is that guy like Jermaine Carter was the last couple years that you could plug in and and have a baseline expectation of what he was going to be able to do. Now, Jermaine has grown into something else. He, you know, we made a lot out of Denzel Perriman, but, you know, Jermaine kind of made that job his own and never let it go. So he's solid, Shaq's solid. There's just not a lot behind them. So I would anticipate as they go through this thing, you know, if they claim linebacker, Devon shower handle off waivers. It won't be a surprise to me. Great prediction there. Really, really <laughs> solid. It's almost like you saw into the future. I can't wait to see what producer Matt's going to do with all these blank spaces. You just in put this in podcast. like SpongeBob noises there could be, or something. There's incredible yeah. opportunity for yeah. him. <laughs> Robotic voice. Yes. Siri, who is the linebacker <laughs> the Panthers just claimed off waivers? Let's go back now uh, to what feels like a, a million years ago for us, but we haven't talked about it. it was that third preseason game where we saw the starters play yeah. for a full half. And I think it told us a lot about this team. I mean, let's just, what were your initial takeaways? The game ended or the first half ended. How did you feel about, let's let's start with the defense. How did you both feel about how the defense looked? They keep taking the ball away from people. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing through the preseason, whether it was the backups in the first couple games or, you know, Brian Burns in this last one. It's or like Hassan Reddick in the second one. Yeah, they're going to get the ball away from other people. Mm-hmm. That's a, That's something that's pretty obvious about them. I mean, and again, they're fast and they're young and they've got a lot of dudes. So um, that's going to be important. And I think they've kind of laid this whole thing in knowing that they wanted to be fast and physical on defense because until they got Sam and kind of had an idea of what they were going to have in Sam, that was the thing you're sort of counting on. That's the side of the ball. If they make great improvements this year, it's going to be because that defense is pretty good. And based on what we've seen in the preseason, I think there's reason to think that could be the case. I mean, it, it, they finished, I think, in the league rankings, what, 15th in the league in total defense, which is always kind of a weird way to measure defenses. But, you know, they were kind of a middle of the pack. I mean, I'm not sure I'm ready to say they're going to be a top five defense or anything like that this year, but they're clearly better than they were a year ago. Absolutely. And, yeah. and for me, it was, you know, obviously Pittsburgh had maybe not their full complement of starters, but they started 0 for 4 on third downs. That was the big number you know, for yeah, me. Yeah, it was, it was Dante, the third down conversions. Dante with the yep. first two was yep. was really the the I mean and those were open guys. field tackles those were yep. powering up to the ball in space you know those were were not letting guys get to the sticks I mean you could tell and just the energy they had after making those plays mm. they knew they have to get off the field on third down that was the big thing that yep. that stood out to me as well um and you could feel it with the crowd there you could feel how excited they were to be able to get off the field, take the ball away, have those third down stops because those were points of emphasis last year. And through the first two preseason games with the backups out on the field, the maybe not the takeaways, but the third down numbers were certainly not uh, 
great. And so to come out and see the starters really start off that way from, as you said, that first Steelers third down opportunity that I thought that was a, a great sign and I think it's also a, a psychological thing too they see it right yeah. and then they go okay all right now we're feeling good and um yeah kind of reset the narrative on that third down and, and we'll see we'll see how that goes starting in gosh how many days now 14 days 12 Oof. days something like that against the Jets but yeah and again it goes back to a couple things I mean uh, you add pass rushers to hurry things up up front and you added so much talent to the secondary I mean yep. drafting J.C. I mean, I wrote this morning on the website about Dante Jackson being the only corner on the roster at this moment who's ever started an NFL game, but it doesn't feel like Mm. as much of a panic because the other one is J.C. Horn. Yeah, and it's like you don't. I don't even consider him a rookie sometimes no. anymore. I mean, he just doesn't strike me. You look at Stanley Thomas Oliver and Keith Taylor, and it's like, oh my god, they're so young. But you don't consider JC as a part of that. Oh my god, they're young because he is not a young player. No, he's he's been ready for this opportunity for forever. You know, it feels like, um, in, in in large part, thanks to his dad and and the wisdom that his dad has imparted, and and thanks in large part also to to who he is. But he definitely falls into that category, and I hate to even name other players because there are plenty of them, but he falls into that Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, older than yeah. their years, it seems like, both in terms of just the way he carries himself and then also uh, experience. Like, you're right, he has mm-hmm. not started an NFL game yet, but you don't con- you consider him so far ahead of, of what maybe a normal rookie measures at. Um, what about on offense? Let's talk about that first half with the starters, our first real look and the fans' first real look at Sam Darnold and and what he is going to be for the Panthers. Yeah, kind of slow starting. Yes. But those last two drives, man, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's been the thing that stood out to me about Sam and probably the thing I didn't realize about him. I didn't take the opportunity to enjoy as many Jets games as perhaps I should have the last three years. But I didn't realize Sam was going to be as good as he is in two-minute situations. Throughout training camp, when, you know, there would be times when things would get a little loose, but when they got into that rhythm stuff, when it was timing, when it was let's be sharp when it matters, Sam always looked good, mm-hmm. whether it was just solo practices down in Spartanburg or in those joint practices. I mean, against the Ravens, and again, Marlon Humphrey wasn't practicing back then, but they still had Marcus Peters in a really good defense, and Sam looked efficient. Sam looked clean in those two-minute drives, and so for him to come out and have that long drive to end the first half, it's like, all right, you got something to work with here. I think there's still some reason to wonder how it's going to hold up over a whole year, but if you offer people 19 of 25 for 162 yards, a couple of touchdowns, if he does that in every half of every game this year, heck, Sam's going to go to the Pro Bowl. Well, and <laughs> okay, he's probably not going to do that in every half of every game this year. I just wanted yeah, those to make numbers sure. would be, but, yeah, but it does it does beg the question about pace. You know, I think people asked Brady uh, about pace a little bit, and he said, you know, there's a lot of ways to define define that. You know, like it's coming up to the line, it's it's getting the play, and it's all that kind of stuff. But you know, like when you do play a little bit quicker, if if that allows a quarterback to you know at different times be able to to get into a rhythm, keeps the defense from substituting. You know, a lot of different things you might see that outside of a two-minute situation maybe yeah well as as um both coach rule and brady told me last year you cannot play fast enough for either of them that mm-hmm. is what they want they you cannot this team cannot go fast enough and and maybe that's you know in part their college backgrounds but that is what they want they want pace on all levels whether it is just getting up to the line everything could be faster um and so i'm sure that they were very pleased to see um the pace at which sam darnold was leading that offense and i, I talked to both rule and uh 
Arnold after that game. And, and they both said the same thing. Like, we're not happy with the slow start, but really liked the way they ended. And and I mean, that's what you want right out of a, a quarterback that we're all wondering um, or the fans are wondering how it was going to go coming in from the Jets. You want, if you're a fan, to know that your quarterback can lead two minute drive. That's like the that's where you that's got to give you a lot of confidence, right? And think that we're we're seeing that it's possible. Yeah, and it's not to throw rocks at anybody who was here last year, but it it does feel different. And once, even though we didn't see this in a preseason game, having Christian out there is going to make a huge difference mm-hmm. to everything. Because you know, if a play breaks down, you can dump it off to number twenty-two, and you have a pretty good idea that he's going to be able to do something positive with it. And he knows what to do. He knows when to get down. He knows when to get out of bounds. So there's reason to be cautiously optimistic about this offense right now. I mean, obviously there's some stuff you worry about because there's always stuff to worry about. Nobody, you know, nobody envisioned at this point in a reclamation project that they would be a, a finished product and they're not, but Sam has kind of receded from the list of worries, I guess you could say, going into the season because I think he's looked a lot more competent than a lot of people maybe had reason to think he was going to. With the the new way that the preseason is structured, just three preseason games, but then keeping in mind that they did these four joint practices, uh, 100 reps roughly for every starter, do you feel, uh, both of you feel, with, with all of these new pieces, you know, I'm specifically thinking of, of Sam, but with everyone, with this young team, that they're ready for the regular season? I think they're as ready as they're going to be. I mean, well, I, yes, I, there's I nothing think, we can yeah. do now. I mean, they're going to practice, I do, but I do believe that those pre or those joint practice reps are better than mm-hmm. preseason yep. game reps. As we know, I yeah, mean, you want to abolish the preseason yeah, altogether. We got we heard that last it. week. I, I just think it's better work because coaches can really zoom in on, okay, I want to work on third down. I want to mm-hmm. work on two minute. And you can get focused work on that as opposed to, okay, it's second and seven against Pittsburgh slappies. You know, how do you tell anything from that? So I, I think having that extra set of joint practices helps. Having some of that kind of work against other high-level people you know, gives them an opportunity again. Are there issues on offense? There are, but I, I feel probably better about Sam right now than I expected to going into the season. I thought it was a, a great way to end the preseason, especially at a home game with, with fans back. Um, I thought the I thought the team looked good. Yeah. yeah. Matt Rule won his first ever preseason game. <laughs> it's true. And he didn't have any last year, but yeah. Congratulations, Matt. Will has recorded that in the official preseason and training camp stats. Oh, I, I, yeah, there's, there's a whole other story about preseason stats that I'll get to at some other time in a bonus section on Twitter. So oh, we'll, we'll okay. director's cut. Director's cut, yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye out because, for that. Because this podcast is so good that it needs bonus ah. director's cuts. Um, all right. Uh, so speaking of, of Twitter, which is where you'll find that bonus content, apparently, on, on Will's Twitter. Um, well, you were scanning the Twitter machine earlier and, uh, you wanted to bring this subject up for our question of the week. I'm not going to call it a weird question. I think it's a valid question, but it's a question nonetheless. This one is courtesy of Mac at WFNZ, which is something they clearly talked about on on their show. He put out his top five college football fan bases in the Carolinas, and Will sent it to us, and he was like, we got to talk about this. So here is, is his ranking order of the top five college football fan bases in the area. One, South Carolina. Two, Clemson. Already am seeing some issues here. Three, NC State. Four, App State. And five, ECU. So, Will, 
you're the one that said we got to talk about it. Where are you zeroing in on on that list? Well, first we got to we got to plug a little bit. There there's a bunch of mayo to be dumped on this field on our new grass or new artificial yes, turf. Considering over the next, two of the teams on, yes. on this list are playing, three of the teams. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Well, I was know? talking about tomorrow. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So tomorrow and and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Clemson, Georgia, and App State, ECU. Uh, Darren is very pumped for the Clemson, Georgia game. He knows all about that one. Sure. Um, but no, I I think. I, I think that you can really tell the the strength of a fan base by how strong they are when their team is losing. That's fair. And South Carolina does a lot of losing. Yes. They lose mm-hmm. all the time. So I'm perfectly fine with them being at the top of this list considering how good they are for being perennial losers. Yeah, that, masochist is another way to describe <laughs> that. That's another word we could use to describe the South Carolina football fan base. Um, See, I go by, here's where I go, and I just want to, because I, I feel like Darren's going to have some thoughts about that. <laughs> I just want to go back to this. The way I judge, and it's now granted, Clemson and South Carolina are in very different places, but the way I judge is like how much of your identity is mm. is caught up in you being a fan of this team. And I think Clemson especially and yeah. and, and of course they have very good reason to over the last decade. Like when you travel places, you see mm-hmm. the Clemson hat. You you have met people that their weekends are are absolutely this is where they will be tailgating in this spot and they've done it for 20 years and it it feels very much like an identity. People are live down there specifically for that reason and have followed every single sport. I, I hear a lot of that from from Clemson fans where it's it's very much an identity. Whereas I, I get it with South Carolina, but I, I think no, no, Clemson I mean, goes for, first. For, for the record, I think Clemson's first. That was me just making a joke because oh. I hate South Carolina. Oh. Yeah. Clemson's, well, you didn't Clemson's specify. First. There was Clemson's no punchline first. either. That was oh, just I thought the delivery. Was, I, I, thought it was, <laughs> right? I thought it was obvious. No, Clemson's first. I disagree. Oh. There, there is a level of commitment if you're a Clemson fan, though. If you're yeah. willing to go out dressed in that shade <laughs> of that color uh, and run the Fair risk point. of people thinking you're a traffic cone all day long, then I, I, I think it does speak to you as a fan base that you're willing to put yourself out there in that way. But no, I, I, I mean, I will say that Appalachian State has gone on the road and played some big programs, been to Georgia, been to um, – been to Clemson, went to, where was that other place? It was 07. They Somewhere up north. Road, yeah. Somewhere up like north. I don't remember. North Oh, wait, that was on September deal. 1st. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was today, 13, 14 years ago. Oh, gosh, it was um, today. Man. But the Clemson people treated us so well when we were down there. They were like, you know, some people get kind of snotty. And I, I think after Michigan, a lot of people would look down their nose at, or before Michigan, people would be like, oh, Appalachian State. But they, we walked in, they were like, hey, you guys do okay, come on. Well, and, you, and we should specify for anyone who doesn't know, when you say us, you are referring to yes. Appalachian State, not Panthers yes, us, that's Appalachian correct. State I'm an us. extremely partisan Appalachian State fan. Uh, today I give my all for Appalachian State. I'll touch the sign on my way out the door. Um, I think it's going to be great. I love going to college games, uh, particularly in Boone. This is going to be neat coming here uh, tomorrow. I mean, I'm going to be right out there for the theater of the mind folks out there listening to this podcast. He's and pointing I, to the 50-yard yeah, line. I don't yeah. know why he we would got, be right out there. We got, we got good seats. Uh, but we're excited about it, and we've been making plans for this one. Me and all my college buddies, old oh, roommates cool. and, and folks, we're going to go tailgate, and we're going to – have some fun and we're going to go watch a little football and hopefully it's a good hopefully it's a good product on the field a lot of questions to be answered i hope chase bryce does well as a new quarterback it's been a long time since we've had to worry about that but it, it is there is something about the app 
Appalachian State fan base that appeals to my psyche, I guess you could say, because at the time I went to ASU, it, it, it never felt like it was anybody's first choice, at least athletically. Anybody who played football at ASU was either too this or too that, too slow or too small. Or, and we made a living off these little skinny guys who could run fast. And that kind of created this whole Island of the Misfit Toys persona about our football team. And now that we're actually good at football and playing at a higher level and recruiting a different level of kid, still got a little bit of that. And I think the fan base reflects that a little bit because we do sort of walk in with our shoulders back and, and it's like, all right, let's go. You know, Biggins line up, little ones bunch <laughs> up. Come on. Um, you know, that's just sort of the way we've always approached it. And I enjoy being a part of it. Plus, I'm going to make my daughter, who's a sophomore up there, I'm going to make her wear black and yellow yeah. striped overalls. That's awesome. You, she may not know that yet. But that's a requirement <laughs> Dad put in, according to these. Do you tickets. think the Tar Heels belong on this list? No. Okay. I I went to school there. I think this is a, in terms of fan bases, you know, as they call the the wine and cheese crowd at at Keenan Stadium. I, I mean, I think I love UNC. I think the Tar Heels have an amazing fan base. But in terms of um, rabid football fans, I, I think that, yeah, I think that's a, a fair knock that they are not on this top five I mean, they're list. rapidly moving up the list. I think they've got a claim at being the second best football program in the state of North Carolina. But fan base wow. wise. <laughs> wow. Was fan base? They're still in others receiving votes. Yeah, we're working on it. We're gonna. We're going for most improved. NC, Let's see. NC State fans yeah. kind of have that same South they Carolina do. fan vibe. They've got yeah, a they chip do. on their shoulder. They turned 100%. out. They got a chip. Hundred percent. Matt, do you want to weigh in? The only thing I will say is I think the attitude of Clemson fans, having grown up around Clemson fans, being from the upstate and going to Clemson for my first year and a half of college, I find them insufferable. And I'm not a Carolina fan, so it's not like I have a dog in the race. Well, you're out. Uh, should we specify you're an LSU fan? I think that well, yeah, but adds that, a little but more it, context but, but to why no, they're insufferable. There's no rivalry, though, between LSU and Clemson. My only thing is they act like they've cool. been relevant beyond nine years ago. And I think that's frustrating. They walk around like they're Alabama and they talk about their school like they're Alabama and they have all this long history of success and championships. They were irrelevant before, what, 11, 10? Well, I think than, it's really other possible. Other than 1980? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they had the one yes. year, but they, they got in trouble for down. cheating. Clemson in the 90s Clemson in the 90s did feel kind of like you know lost cause Clemson well you know, it wasn't was very that much but they like, made remember the, back 20 years ago and yeah, yeah. The, the verb Clemsoning was a, th- right, a thing exactly. at the time there I think it's possible just based on the vitriol that Matt just came out with is like we could see a video of him in an LSU jersey one one day arguing with a Clemson fan and people would be like look at this guy he's I mean, just like I, that was see middle it. school for me so <laughs> there, there are there are like a lot a of game, parallels he's just, you, you know, know they're both the Tigers that play in Death Valley you know there's there's some parallels with LSU You should come Saturday and do that. And do what? Just jump in the midst of all the Georgia and Clemson <laughs> yeah. people and say, wear, both of you, line up. Wear your, Joe Burrow, <laughs> wear your Joe Burrow jersey and just get right in the middle of the Clemson. Just fans. create a problem. Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Half Hour podcast. We will be back with you next week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.